Hello and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Corrin. This is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today we are going to talk to you about asking for help. <laughs> the hardest thing for people to do sometimes is to ask for help. And I think that comes from childhood. I can do it myself. How many times did you, if you ever had kids, how many times did you hear that in your lifetime? Well, what I'm finding is that the consequences of I can do it myself can be detrimental on every level. And what I mean by that is you can get hurt because you put yourself in a vulnerable position. You can stay ignorant because you're not asking those who know more than you. And you can be less efficient because sometimes two heads, four hands are better in dealing with every situation. So let's talk about where specifically you need help by giving you a few indications of how we've learned we need help. So when I'm working on a horse, if I have someone holding that horse for me, I have both a safety mechanism so that there's a behavioral check between what's going on with the horse and what's going on with my hands. And I can focus on the healing and the help while someone else is managing the behavior. Again, they have to be trained in order for this to be helpful. But having that help allows for a better circumstance, not just you know a more convenient one, but it actually allows for a higher quality of care. Yeah, and it allows you to focus on what you do best. Because when you have that outside help, they're taking care of parameters that you would otherwise have to be dealing with yourself and trying to do what you normally do to aid that person or that animal. So that extra help allows you to use your brain in different ways. It opens you up to other possibilities. It gives you more options for things to do. The famous last words, oh, it'll be fine, is usually right after there's bloodshed. So, uh, what, right before, not right after. But here's, here's the thing, like yesterday, we went to take the dogs to be vaccinated. By paying attention to the dog's behavior, I could tell that there was discomfort. By asking for more help, we were able to take a situation that could have been a negative learning experience and turned it into a less gestural, safe, no blood, no foul experience by reading the cues and saying, this is not a one-on-one -on -one situation. Let's get a muzzle on. Let's get some communication with the person who is going to be touching the dog who's uncomfortable and say, there's a safer way to approach that. So a lot of times being humble enough to say, is there a better way than what I was about to do? can make for an amazingly positive experience. Yeah, and sometimes, you, sometimes asking for help is because you really don't know what you want to do next. And asking for help becomes an educational experience, probably both for both people. The person who may be more knowledgeable, sometimes they learn a lot too in that offering help or giving help. Because it's one thing to do it yourself, it's another thing to help someone doing it because there's processes and procedures and understandings 
of things to do in the proper order to have it done correctly. You know, you've heard us, if you've listened to our podcast over the last, what, three and a half years, uh, you've most likely heard us talk about the learning curve, the moving from unconscious uh, to conscious, from moving to not knowing that you don't know, right? In unconscious incompetence through the questioning stages when you become consciously incompetent. And I, I live there. There are so many things I don't know anything about. And I really love when I go, wow, this whole new thing has been brought into my sphere, but I don't know anything about it. Then you can get curious. And curiosity is where learning takes place. So when we ask for help, it means we've moved from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence. We know we don't know. Who is most likely to be able to help you through that phase when you know you don't know, but now you have to fill in that beaker with real information, with someone who is more knowledgeable, more experienced, more capable, and I know there's a whole world of those out there for me. Yeah, and we have found that a lot of times the, the most intelligent people or the people in the most power position are the ones that are least likely to ask for help. Yeah, we learned that when we, we were learned teaching that, seminars. We learned that a long time ago, I think 24 years ago, when we had another lifetime and, and, and we did this little side job that dealt, dealt with consulting and doing uh, some communication work. And we came up with this bright idea of doing a trust walk with a group of people that were all in a company together, that all worked together. And the idea was to try to evaluate the group to see how they functioned. And so Wendy blindfolded everybody, which is, we love to blindfold people, and took them on a trust walk through the woods. While she was doing that, I took a very long rope and wrapped it around all these different trees, creating what we called a maze. And we led everyone into the maze, and then we gave them the instructions that you are in a maze, and there's only one way out of the maze. If you ask for help, we will help you. Those were the only instructions that we gave the group. And what basically happened was the least, quote, quote, leader of the group told everybody what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. And basically said, we're gonna, everyone's going to go around in a different direction. And then when you find the way out, you tell, you raise, you holler out that you found the way out and we'll listen to your voice and we'll come to you. Well, the only way out of this maze was to ask for help. And guess who asked for help? first out of the group. Well, that's what we were learning about. Those who were most competent at their jobs were the ones who asked for help. And literally, it went from the secretarial on up. The first to ask for help was someone who was newer in the company and had the job of providing information to those higher up. Someone who already understood that by asking for help, they could be more efficient, more competent, and therefore be able to uh, fulfill the expectations. So what they did is 
raised their hand, and we slipped them out underneath the rope. And then they said, I'm out. People were like, how'd you get out? How'd you get out? And this went on. There were probably 20 people within this group until the leader of the pack finally literally ripped the mask off and said, this is ridiculous. Meanwhile, everybody else was outside because they had been willing to ask for help. So that lack of willingness showed up in dysfunction within their setting. And this happens in day-to-day work. This happens with you and your dog. This happens with you and your horse. This happens with you and your coworkers. This happens with family. In the ability to understand that if there's someone out there who has more experience, using them as a resource makes everything easier. It makes you able to add more skills to your toolbox because you're saying, hey, I haven't done this before. Let me utilize the influence of someone who has. Then you can evaluate whether you think that's the best choice or not. Then you can use your expertise and your knowledge of your horses, your dogs, your situation to say, is that going to be a better approach than the one I'm currently using? We're not suggesting that asking for help means signing up and following the yellow brick road. We're suggesting that more information makes for better choices. Yeah, because you don't have to do what the help basically says, but you're getting other possibilities, maybe something that you didn't think about. And if you didn't think about it, it wasn't an option for you and you wouldn't have done it. Now, asking for help also is, for example, as practitioners, when I'm working on a dog, someone says, oh, my dog's nice, no problem. When I have their hands at the head of the dog, then if that dog is going to react to being touched somewhere uncomfortable, there is a stopgap between their teeth and my hands. And the nicest dog has teeth and therefore can use them. The nicest horse has hooves and therefore the famous last words right before someone gets kicked is my horse doesn't kick, okay? So what we're saying is by having assistance, you create a better environment on all levels, mentally and physically. And safety because that's really what you were talking about too. You're talking about a safe zone. It creates a safe zone. And when you have a safety in your position, it makes it easier to come up with other options. If you're trying to protect your life, holding, holding on to the dog while you're trying to adjust it, you're more, sometimes your focus ends up being more on being bit rather than being treated. Well, and that's exactly it. You, you want to have your mind most focused on the task at hand. And that's why, you know, we, we've said this again, you know, there are, there are truths that we have established that show up in all different aspects of life. If I'm driving and I don't know where I'm going and it's pouring raining, I have to turn off the radio, I have to turn off the books, I have to focus on one thing so that I can do the best I can in the situation. So to be able to focus, you need to have something that makes you comfortable in that situation. And often that is a helper, an assistant, an educator, 
to be able to make sure that you have everything you need right there. I can't tell you, I mean, how many times, you know, I'm going to work on a, a dog and I realize I don't have my fascial tool right here. I don't have my tape. I don't have my laser. Therefore, it becomes inefficient. When it becomes inefficient, my brain goes into more than one place. Yeah, you lose your focus. You lose your focus. And that doesn't allow that patient to get the best quality care possible, which is our commitment always to be 100% available. And so the more you have someone do, you know, the more you delegate too, the more you have someone assist you in the things that are not your expertise, the better you can be at being what you're best at. Because yeah. when you lose your focus, you lose your safety. And, and the, I, I learned this really the hard way one time. It was because... <laughs> I or was, twice. or a few times, I was adjusting a, a back leg of a horse and part of, I was listening to a conversation behind me and I got done adjusting the horse's leg and I just let go of it and I went to respond to something that I had heard in the conversation and at that second I got kicked by the horse. I was focused on my response to them rather than focusing on what I was doing at the time and that horse taught me a lesson. And really, that's something to be cognizant of when you are distracting someone who is working. And we have had to ask politely that some of our clients let us focus rather than asking us to sum up when we just started. And uh, that, that is a peeve of mine. It's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know enough to think yet. Let me have my time with your animal, let me evaluate, let me feel, let me create um, some impact, and then evaluate, and then answer. Because if I answer before I've done anything, then you might as well have just called me on the phone and said, hey, what do you think? Because you're not giving us a chance to use the expertise that you come to us for. So asking for help is critical, but then let that help actually do what they're there to do. Because often we'll see someone ask for help and then correct, interrupt, and or um, you know, create an opposition to that help. Just listen. You don't have to follow. But be the, in asking for help, there's a level of respect that needs to be afforded to those you ask for help from. Yeah. And then if you ask for help, but you have certain directions that you would like them to understand prior to them giving you the help, give them those instructions first. Don't get started and go, oh no, I wanted you to do this, or oh no, I wanted you to do that. How are they supposed to know they're helping you, but you didn't tell them how they were supposed to be helping you? Yeah, so, parameters. parameters. Parameters really, really help. I mean, we have that sometimes when I'm even having conversations with family. It's like, I would love your input, but please cre just give me your input without solving this for me. And sometimes when someone says, I'd like to know about this, hear what they're asking and offer that up. And then sometimes I'll say, um, I would like permission to give you more than you asked for because I have opinions. And when they're ready to listen, that's when you give them your assistance. You know, this is all about cooperating and creating the healthiest situation possible for you, for your patients, for your clients, 
and for your pets, your competitors, and your companions. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. This is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And this has been an Equiline Podcast.